Well, hello and welcome to Polity Matters. My name is Ben Ratliff. I am joined by Jared Nelson and Scott Edberg, and uh, well, we're excited. This is uh, this is our podcast opener. Um, if you don't count that teaser as anything at all, which is exactly what it was, we're excited to get with y'all for some introductions. We um, we've got plans to get into the Book of Church Order and Parliamentary Procedure and all sorts of things related to our church polity, but. Today, we wanted to take some time and do introductions, ask and answer those questions that uh, are most on uh, on your minds. Who are we? Why another Presbyterian and Reformed podcast? Uh, why a podcast on polity? Uh, you know, what, what 10 people are we aiming at with such a narrow niche subject matter? Where are we headed? What's going to happen? All that to say, uh, gentlemen, let's introduce ourselves. Scott, why don't you get us started? Uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, your background, what interests you in polity? As, as we've been talking amongst ourselves, you know, answer that question, what um, what caused you to and, and when did you invite Morton Smith or James Bannerman or whoever it may be into your heart? Yeah, I'm Scott Edberg, pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church in Troy, Illinois, a member of Ileana Presbytery. I am a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary Jackson, the flagship, in my opinion, seminary for Reformed, the Reformed Network. Uh, and uh, I have an undergrad of pastoral studies at Moody Bible Institute. Before that, I came to faith in the Dutch Reformed tradition. I uh, grew up a nominal Catholic, um, but was in a mainline Dutch Reformed church, the same one as Kevin DeYoung. I served as a deacon there um, in my time at Moody. And, and that church actually transitioned from the Reformed Church in America to the Presbyterian Church in America in around 2014. And so I transitioned uh, as, I guess, an ordained PCA deacon. Uh, I guess I was an ordained PCA deacon during that time before heading south to Reform Seminary uh, in Jackson. And my time there, I served as an intern at First Presbyterian Church in Yazoo City um, under Charlie Wingard, who was a pastoral uh, theology professor at Reform Seminary. And then I transitioned to First Pres to Scumbia in Northern Alabama to serve as my first ministry as an assistant pastor under uh, Randy Thompson, the pastor that preached the inaugural 50th sermon at our assembly this year. And now just six months ago, I transitioned here to Providence Pres as the pastor. Uh, my wife, Marissa Edberg, I have two, we've been married uh, six years. We have two children, four and two years old, John Owen Edberg, and then Charles Alexander. And we have one on the way. Um, and so we're looking forward to meeting that one in a few months here uh, in, uh, in October. October 8th is when we're due. So we'll have another little one to join us. Uh, my interest in polity actually uh, came about at um, Reform Seminary and Guy Waters class. I was always interested in polity generally because of the waywardness of the Reformed Church uh, in the main line. I was, had great aspirations and hopes to reclaim it. And I knew that that happened through the work of polity and reforming and seeking reformation in that denomination. But that that came to manifest itself in Guy Waters' polity class. And I remember one class, we had the opportunity to have a mock meeting of the court. And my sole interest of that meeting was how to ruin this meeting decently and in order. And so I was calling divisions on votes and things of that nature just in order to to mess it up. And like a good uh, mock class, I don't know if you've ever been to like the state capital of your state as you were a representative trying to have a mock meeting of the House 
of Illinois or Mississippi, but there are those who are very serious about it that want to actually pass mock legislation. And then there are those who seek to add just uh, non-cursory, terrible things to just ruin whatever bill you're trying to pass. And so I was the ruiner. I was trying to add clown noses and clown feet to to the class uh, in our motions. Um, but that's where my interest really originated from. Um, that, that that faded away in my first call. Um, but since I started tracking some BCO amendments, it's kind of rekindled my desire for polity. And so I re-accepted uh, Morton Smith into my heart uh, about two years ago as I started following BCO amendments. Did you have to get rebaptized? Uh, no, no, this is I went from non-communing to communing member in my polity. Um, well, I'm Jared Nelson. I have been ordained for about 12 years now. I'm currently serving the church at New Life here in Hopewell Township in Pennsylvania, which is an Ascension Presbytery. Um, to get there was an interesting path, though. Uh, I grew up in Christian Restorationist churches and Baptist churches, so congregational government, um, or as a seminary professor that I had uh, once joked, and you could you could say this because he was a Baptist, he said, uh, of the three forms of government, Episcopal is ruled by bishop, Presbyterian is ruled by elders, and then congregational is ruled by no one. Um, just the, the kind of um, chaos that you could see in congregational rule, especially if church discipline came up, had me somewhat interested in um, you know, Matthew 18, when it says, go and tell it to the church, what does that mean? And uh, how does that actually function? And I didn't really have a functional ecclesiology, but I was in a Bible church and uh, felt the call to do something in regards to theology. And so I wanted to go to seminary. I asked him where he had gone. And so that's how I ended up going to that uh, great Presbyterian uh, seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary. And um, while I was there, I started attending a PCA church uh, mostly because the other options that were around um, Bible churches are different in a small town environment versus a big city. Uh, and so I started attending a PCA church and then I took ecclesiology even at Dallas and I was assigned Clowney's book on the church. And um, he had some people question him about that. And he said, well, find me a dispensationalist that has written a book on ecclesiology and I'll use that. Um, and so I really started to get the uh, idea that ecclesiology was an area that uh, was pretty covenantal reformed uh, theologian territory. Um, and so that's kind of, I, I guess I asked Clowney into my heart first and then uh, went on from there. Um, and so I started to realize my call to do something with theology was to serve the church. And that was the area of, uh, of God's action in the world, um, the arena of his, uh, what he's doing in the world. And um, so first I, I did an internship at that church that I actually paired with a year-long <clears throat> hospital uh, chaplaincy. And um, at the end of that, uh, I got my first call and I went to GA as a floor clerk for the first time. And that's where I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I may have uh, affirmed uh, Presbyterian government, but I have no idea how this works. And so after I was a floor clerk, that was uh, my introduction to, I need to know more about ecclesiology and then started uh, studying it a little bit more and uh, tried to look for people that knew what they were doing. So I noticed there was this guy named Fred Greco and this guy named uh, Steve Tipton, and they seemed to know what they were doing. And so I would try to like pick their brains of like what in the world's happening here at GA. So um, my family is uh, uh, with me here at this call too. Um, 
uh, I am married to my wife, Michelle, uh, and I have uh, three children, Eve, who's 11, uh, Levi, who's nine, Maya, who is uh, seven. Uh, and so uh, they are a delight uh, as well. But I want to make sure I got them in and not just my my love of polity. Well, um, I've already told y'all my name is Ben Ratliff. And if my wife happens to listen to this episode or this <clears> podcast, <throat> I want her to take note that I'm going to start with her and not with uh, with my credentials uh, like my brothers did. Sorry, guys. Uh, I am blessed to have been married to Caitlin for a little over 14 years. We have four daughters. Eliza just turned five. Charlotte is three. Susanna is two. And Maggie is going to be six months old uh, right about when this episode drops. I'm currently a member of Covenant Presbytery, uh, which covers uh, most of North Mississippi, uh, most of Arkansas, and a portion of West Tennessee that includes the Memphis metro area. And I'm serving as the associate pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Cleveland, Mississippi, and in the Mississippi Delta. I went to Belhaven uh, College. I want to make that point. It's now university, and they offered to change my diploma after I graduated, but um, graduated from Belhaven College in Jackson, Mississippi, with a degree in biblical studies, and then uh, went to RTS Jackson, the mothership, graduated in 2013 with an MDiv. After seminary, uh, wound up in uh, Heritage Presbytery up in Salisbury, Maryland, serving at a church, <clears throat> Providence Presbyterian Church on the eastern shore of Maryland, which is where I was licensed and ordained there in Heritage. Um, we came back to Mississippi in about 2016, and I served about three and a half years at two uh, little churches as a solo pastor, uh, First Presbyterian Church in Hazelhurst and First Presbyterian Church in Wesson. Those were busy and exciting years for us. Um well, Wesson, Wesson actually has closed. There were about three members there when I was preaching, um, and uh, they they decided to to shut down. First Pres Hazelhurst is still going strong. Uh, shout out to James Logan, who's who's the minister there now. I've been here in Cleveland for about uh, three and a half years uh, since the week that uh, COVID hit. Actually, our pastor likes to joke that uh, attendance plummeted when the associate minister arrived because we didn't meet in person for quite a while once I got here. As far as my interest in polity goes, uh, you know, listening to Scott talk, I remembered getting involved in Model UN when I was in high school and, you know, like uh, like mock legislatures for the state of Mississippi. And that was a lot of fun. I really loved the parliamentary procedure aspect of all of that. When I came out of seminary, I would say I was probably pretty weak on church government. And uh, the Credentials Committee of Heritage Presbytery really challenged me to master the book. And so I did. And, you know, when you when you give your life to something like that uh, for those seasons, you really begin to believe a lot of those things and love those things. And so ever since I've been involved in um, as well, as much as I can be involved in our Presbytery process, I've, I've served on a couple of credentials committees and I'm doing that currently really enjoy that aspect of the ministry. Well, that's us guys. We, um, we're excited to be doing this. Uh, we've been uh, planning and talking for a long time about what this podcast might look like and how we can be of service to, uh, to folks that are interested in polity and to the broader church. And so we do want to spend a little bit of time talking through some of the the thoughts behind why we're doing this. Um, just want to start by asking this question um, as we try to introduce our podcast. Why is polity important and what's our purpose? You know, what are we doing here? Probably a per good person to go to would be a resource of somebody who has uh, written uh, a commentary on a book of church order uh, going back into the 1800s 
there was a guy named Ramsey who uh, wrote a uh, an introduction to that where he noted the fact that there are tons of resources out there for uh, the Westminster Confession, for uh, systematic theology, but there's not a lot of resources for church polity. Uh, and why is that? Um, well, it can be somewhat dull to people, but he thought that there should be. Um, I thought I'd just read a paragraph from his uh, his preface where he says, um, but the writer, that is, he has uh, concluded his exposition with a deep conviction that the more our standards are studied, the less disposition there will be to criticize them. Uh, for it may be conceded that our system of government is one that works with much friction and confusion, and it must be admitted with considerable inefficiency. If those who work it do not understand it and intelligently approve it, uh, for there are systems that work more easily and satisfactorily in the hands of adherents not generally intelligent or capable. Um, so there are simpler uh, systems that are out there. However, uh, if you know how the system works, uh, it does work well and uh, can reduce friction. I mean, um, for, since the advent of blogs and the internet, uh, there is a lot of room for people to complain about how things don't work or uh, the way that they work. You even saw that after the recent uh, General Assembly, after the 50th General Assembly, people complaining about what happened to their their favorite pet uh, issue. And sometimes it's just that things take a long time to work. And if you know how the system is working, it makes you uh, less anxious about it. And so I think one of the big reasons to uh, to study it would be that we are less anxious and less frustrated uh, in our church government when we actually understand how it works. I recall my first assembly as a commissioner a few years ago, a man walking up to the mic and the first words out of his mouth were, how do I make a motion? And I remember leaving that assembly thinking, by golly, nobody knows what we're doing. Uh, and if nobody knows what we're doing, uh, how can we function well as a denomination? If our commissioners, the men who have received masters in divinity, have no capacity to conduct the business of the church, how can we do the business of the church? And so one of the reasons why I think this sort of resource is important and why polity is important is, it, is that it helps the church function and function well. Um, it makes the church deliberative in all of its work. And not only that, it helps us progress as a denomination thoughtfully. And so it's not only important for the bride of Christ to, to function in this way, it's important for commissioners and those ruling elders who attend to, to better grasp how this all works. Because when we learn how this works, um, things can be done in a manner that is decent order, but also in a, a way that honors Christ. And so uh, I, I will that will always stick with me uh, for all of my ministry is that first assembly uh, and hearing a commissioner say that and longing for better. Um, sometimes in our own culture, we see the informality of society just progress further and further, where 100 years ago, men were wearing suits to baseball games and now we're wearing sweatpants to just about everything. Uh, may it not be so with the church. Uh, may we continue to have good processes, not because they're formal, but because they're they're better for effectiveness in our declaration and in our work. So it's kind of thinking of what Jared was saying, 
and building upon perhaps our own informality uh, in our own cultural context. Did you just confess to wearing sweatpants right now? No, no sweatpants. Let me, uh, I want to read, it's actually from Ramsey again, but uh, quoted in Morton Smith, which he does a lot uh, in his, uh, his, at least in his introduction to his commentary on the BCO. Uh, Ramsey writes, all we claim is that the members and officers of any church need to know its system of government well enough and love it well enough to work it efficiently. And that for those disqualified, ours is the best system. So I want to ask you guys, how can someone grow in knowledge of and love for our polity? Well, studying it is is one way to do it. Um, if we are reading through scripture, we're coming across all these different subjects. We're coming across subjects, not merely of the gospel and soteriology and how that works, but uh, we're coming across uh, theology proper, but we're also coming ac- across ecclesiology and uh, the doctrine of the church. You read through the pastoral epistles or uh, in the Old Testament, and you see there was a functioning of the people of God. There was uh, certain officers and certain leaders. And when you see it run well, you see where it goes uh, It goes well. And when you see it run pr- uh, poorly, uh, it goes poorly. And so it's studying even uh, why was the Sanhedrin so ridiculous in its trials? And uh, I mean, uh, looking at the the trial that Jesus was subjected to uh, was not decent nor in order. Um, and you have that example versus the example of, um, you know, Acts 2 and the beginnings of the church or Acts 15 and uh, the Council of Jerusalem. And so one of the ways to start loving it is to see when it's run well, um, it, it benefits God's people. And when it doesn't, it's a great sin. Uh, in fact, it condemns God himself uh, if, uh, if done poorly. And so uh, studying scripture, I think, is one way to to grow more uh, in love with uh, the church. And we should be if uh, as the church is the bride of Christ. And if Christ loves the church, then so should we. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. And going further there, it, the interesting part about studying polity, um, Jared mentioned in his introduction about the lack of resources on polity and ecclesiology. There's not a lot. Uh, there, there are a lot of resource, old resources in polity, but not so much contemporary resources in polity. And so I remember emailing Guy Waters on the issue when it was after I think that same assembly that I just referenced, saying, uh, "Dr. Waters, how can I better understand parliamentary procedure in the BCO? Uh, here are the resources I own. Uh, what uh, additional resources can I buy?" And his reply was, you own all the resources. Uh, And so I thought, well, I guess I just have to keep studying the resources because I already own Morton Smith. I already have a few other select resources that help me better navigate. But there's just not a lot out there in the contemporary church. I mean, most of the resources we have in our share drive are are so, so old. You're (laughs) you're wondering um, how. How does this particularly work with our current uh, most modern book of church order? And so uh, how do you grow? Uh, Yes, you study the scriptures. You study the current works, our current BCO, our our current works in ecclesiology. We were talking about Bannerman just a few moments ago. Uh, Those kind of works uh, create depth. But even further than that is finding men that love polity. Fred Greco, Dominic Aquila, and the list goes on and on, guys that love process. 
Um, because when you find guys that love process and debate process, they might not even agree with what the book of church order says in its interpretation on a particular point, but you learn how they think about the process. Um, after my exam on the BCO in Providence Presbytery, I thought, well, I guess I understand it all, but it didn't make any sense until you start dealing with cases of discipline and you read the fine details of cases of process, cases without process. And you're like, okay, this is a lot deeper than a BCO exam will tell you. And it's so easy to gum up all of the things, uh, all, the whole entire process, if you don't have a handle on it. And so having resources of guys who know they've been doing this for decades, longer than I've been alive, uh, having them in the pocket helps you navigate them better. And they can point you uh, to better resources, whether they be articles or blogs on developing ideas. Um, but I think perhaps modern blogs, um, PCA Polity has been helpful in a bunch of this regard is the way we're receiving this. Um, but yeah, uh, you have to grow in just studying newspaper work because um, that's what the BCO feels like at times. It's not the the thing that keeps you awake and excited anticipation, um, but it's necessary to be regularly opening it um, when you're studying. So Scott's question actually might have uh, made Waters write his books then because uh, it seems like after that he came out with a couple of different books. Um, if you're actually just looking for uh, an intro, his well-ordered, uh, well-living or living well book as a introductory level. And then he has an intermediate level, which was how Jesus runs the church. And so you get some resources like that, although they're not the details of a commentary of the BCL, but maybe the purpose of this uh, podcast will be to get enough interest that, um, Guy Waters will write the the follow up to Bannerman, the the upper level ecclesiology book for our century. That's funny you you attribute those the the cause of those books to that question Scott asked. I actually thought we might be able to blame Guy Waters for this podcast. There's a lack of resources. Well, here we are. I'll, I'll be the arrogant one in the group. You guys have been so humble. I think one way we can grow in our knowledge and love for the polity of our church is to listen to Polity Matters, this new great podcast that's coming out. We, um, well, I really like Morton Smith's uh, purpose as he summarizes it uh, at the beginning of his commentary on the BCO, where he says that the purpose, his purpose is to stimulate study of the standards of order and thus inculcate a devotion to them and a working knowledge of them. And that might be sort of the lowest common denominator. Right, a, a devotion to our standards by the elders and officers of the church, and a working knowledge of them, uh, so that when we come to issues on the floors of presbytery and the floor of general assembly and our own sessions, when it comes to matters of discipline and and order, that we have um, the knowledge uh, to uh, take care of business uh, in a way that honors Christ, in a way that is efficient and decent and in order. And so I hope that hope that our podcast will be helpful to those ends uh, for those of you who listen. I do want to ask this other question of us as we think through what we're doing. And I've gotten this question as I've talked to people, um, as we've been preparing and different people in my spheres know what we're doing and what we're planning. And, and uh, one big question is, well, who's this podcast for? Um, who are we aiming at? And Scott, I'll I'll out you. I, one of the one of the um, phrases that you came up with early on in our discussions was "polity curious," which I just think is needs to be on a T-shirt somewhere. Um, but maybe maybe flesh that out a little bit for us. Who who are we aiming at? 
Uh, yeah, my, my thought is this could be a general resource for those who care to learn about the system of government and what is the PCA. A lot of people watch on live streams and they're almost inaccessible at times, but it's for the common laity as well as the ruling elder and even the teaching elder who went to Dallas Theological Seminary and doesn't understand ecclesiology. Um, it's meant to be for those who have an interest in how our form of government functions. Um, because without having a, a devoted time to that, it is very confusing. How does an overture get to the assembly? What happens if that overture passes the assembly? Is it now canon law? Uh, those types of things are inaccessible for most. And so those who are curious on why Presbyterianism does what it does, uh, which is many out there, at least as we see like Christianity Today writing articles on it and misunderstanding maybe perhaps some of our polity. Uh, I think it's for those who have an interest in following the work of the church in the PCA, but even broader to other NAPARC denominations. It, it's like drinking from a fire hose um, as you follow the work of the church, especially if you've been following BCO amendments, like what is going on here? Uh, did the PCA reject um, this thing by voting it down this one amendment? Well, who knows? And so this is for those who have found Presbyterian polity inaccessible because of the, um, what do you call it, the steep learning curve. Um, I'm where I, My hope is to bring it down to earth and to make some of the processes and the approaches a little more accessible. And so for those who are curious, whether they be the mom that wonders why the PCA didn't adopt Overture 26 on titles or something, um, or another amendment. Like, why does that happen? How did that happen? How do we get here? Um, I think a lot of people have those questions, but it's also for the ruling elder. The, the ruling elder that has only started attending assembly in the last five years is interested in the work of the assembly, but when he gets to the assembly, it's difficult for him to keep up with. Um, it's always that way for your first few assemblies, no matter how much knowledge you have. Uh, but making the assembly more accessible to ruling elders makes it more inviting to them to participate in the work of the church and not merely sit there or merely never come back because it was totally inaccessible. So I have those in mind, uh, those three groups. Um, and that, that's where the polity uh, curious <laughs> nomenclature comes from. And maybe it should be said, too, that as we're doing this, in some ways, we are informed students. Um, we're we're learning this as well. We're, we're trying to dive into these sources that are available. Uh, in fact, we'll probably go on to talk about, uh, we may have some people on occasionally if they'll come on to, to help us along with that, too. Um, basically, if Guy Waters or Fred Greco did a podcast like this, we would listen to it. But since he's not, uh, we're going to do ours. Here's the question that's really on my mind. Uh, maybe it's more on the minds of other people. I, I know I want to listen to a podcast on church polity. And so it is so exciting to get to create a podcast about church polity. But why would anybody else want to listen to a podcast about church politics? Um, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in here and start by saying, you know, PCA polity is not easy to understand on your own right away. Um you know, our, our book of church order, Robert's rules, um, all of these can seem incredibly intimidating 
And so as part of our purpose and our goal, we are trying to make them more accessible. But I think on the other side of it, why would someone want to listen? Uh, Dear listener, why would you want to give your time to us from week to week so that we can help you um, understand these things that have been written down and given for the edification of Christ's people and the glory of the Lord? I mean, generally thinking, misunderstanding our polity is why there's a there tends to be, at least on the internet, a uh, reactive nature to it. Uh, some people think that the slowness of our system of government is a bug in our government, that we can't make quick decisions about anything. But it's a feature, as the the young man would say, it's a, not a bug. And so understanding polity and perhaps listening to a poly podcast helps us uh, together, my, myself included, better understand our polity and the inner workings of it. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start uh, or join this podcast was the idea of me becoming a better uh, and for me to become a better churchman. I desire to be a churchman. That's my longing. And you become a churchman by studying polity. And so part of my hope is that in my learning, uh, as Jared said a moment ago, in that we are not professionals, <laughs> brothers, we are not professionals, uh, is that hopefully through this work, we can grow in our understanding in a way that, um, I mean, we're young men. We have 40 years of ministry left, theoretically, uh, that we could grow in such a way in this area that um, we become churchmen. And my hope is that those who listen to the podcast can also, uh, if they're elders in the church, become churchmen themselves. And so that's the kind of resource. What I That's who I hope to listen. Yeah, wanting to get better at polity is a big reason of why you'd want to listen to a podcast on polity whether it's to study for BCO exams for that, the times and the seasons in which we're talking about the BCO. And hopefully that becomes a good resource for people. Um, or also just to be better at functioning within your presbytery. I'm sure um, the uh, admin committee that reads our minutes would, would love for us to be a little bit better about how we keep minutes. And um, and so they're probably anxious for, for me to become a better churchman and keeping a handle of those so I don't get cited and our uh, and our session doesn't get cited for uh, not recording things that we're supposed to be doing. And then understanding what we're supposed to be doing then helps us to uh, function uh, smoother. Uh, all of us, I think, have been in organizations that were well-run and those that were poorly run. And if we can help, uh, especially the church, be well-run, um, that would be a reason to to study this and to, and to listen to a podcast on it. We want to give some idea of where we're headed. Um, and we've we've spent lots of time talking about this, how to handle all the various avenues um, that our polity runs. Scott, I wonder if you might want to run us through sort of our planned schedule. Um, all of this originates in a spreadsheet that you've created. It seems only proper that you would you know, walk us through these four seasons, as we're calling them. Uh, yeah, so I thought that perhaps... Um a podcast only on the book of church order, going through it um, week after week over many years, going through the entire book uh, might bog us down and How become dare you. uninteresting. Um, and so I thought perhaps it would be a good idea in order to keep it fresh, to only focus on certain elements of our 
polity throughout the year. And so we've broken them basically down into quarters. And so typically in the fall, we're going to study Book of Church Order, basically making an audio version of a commentary, I would say, and discussing the ins and outs of various chapters uh, sequentially. And we're going to start in the preface next week and then work our way through the first eight or so chapters throughout the rest of the fall. Um, but then in the in the winter months, we'll probably look beyond our book or before our book, as we're going to call it. And that's going to study the history, theology, philosophy of polity. I think we're talking about perhaps working through Witherow's book on church government um, and just uh, almost like perhaps Voss group. At least that's what I think in my mind of going through uh, Voss's work, uh, but going through not not as long, hopefully um, shorter uh, and going through that. And then in the in the spring, we'll study basically assembly preparation um and we're going to call that a, uh, some assembly required and it's going to be looking forward to the PCAGA looking at how the uh, assembly functions the various groups and agencies found within the assembly the overtures that will be coming to the assembly and that's where we'll probably invite people on to defend or to talk about their perspective on various overtures and we'll probably group them together and then in the summer uh, we'll go through what we'll call parliamentary inquiry, which will be going through Robert's rules or uh, perhaps parliamentary procedure, thinking of having, uh, as Gerber just wrote a book on this, having him on to discuss process, how to do good process, orderly process by how we act and how we move motions and decorum uh, of a court. And so it's going to be broken down in those four areas. And then at next fall, we'll pick up back in the BCO. This is just to keep it fresh. I thought perhaps this will break it up in a way that's somewhat even, where we're not just taking random breaks, but you can actually follow along. Uh, season one will take these first eight chapters of the BCO, of um, BC, bring your own BCO and so forth. And so it's meant to be helpful and refreshing that we're not only doing one topic, um, because perhaps if we get to chapter 36 of the BCO in one year, you'd be wondering if this is ever going to end. Um, but that, that was kind of my idea in order to keep it fresh. We should be careful not to commit Jacob too quickly. Have you seen Gerber's contract writer on podcast appearances? Man, the strange things that he requires. Jared, you've already talked about this a little bit as we've been going through all of this. Um, how, how do we study the BCO? And, and primarily, I guess the question really is what resources are there available to us or available uh, pretty easily, at least? And we've got some listed here in front of us. You've mentioned a few already. Maybe walk through uh, briefly for us and remind us what, what's out there in case anybody listening wants to go and secure these on their own. Yeah. So if you're wanting to get some resources to follow along or to do your own study, um, within the PCA, there are not a ton of um, uh, commentaries on the BCO as there are tons of commentaries on the Westminster Confession and uh, Shorter Catechism. Um, so there is famously Morton Smith's commentary that was updated up until about 2007. And, but after that, anything that's been put into the book since 2007 doesn't have his commentary on it. Um, he was following the lead of a guy named uh, Ramsey with an, an A-R-A-M-S-A-Y who wrote a commentary on the BCO way back in the late 1800s that um there were follow-ups too, but never really, they, they became more general and they weren't really uh, word for word. But those are basically what you have. There's 
there's always talk about some things that may be uh, coming up. There's been a few teaching elders that have talked about writing their own um, uh, commentary. And so there may be resources in the future, but those are the main ones right now. Um, one other one that's a really great resource is PCAhistory.org. Uh, Wayne Sparkman has done a great service that almost nobody knows about, it seems like, which is putting uh, the history of the changes to the BCO online. And you can see it all the way back into uh, the old Southern Church and um, when they changed and what the wording was. And that helps you understand a little bit of what they were going for. Um, there's an older resource uh, by a guy named J.A. Hodge. Uh, I don't think he's related to Charles, but uh, was talking about uh, various things in polity in the late 1800s. That helps you as a historical resource. Um, so you have the BCO commentaries, you have the historical resources. Um, I think now a lot of people have how Jesus runs the church as a modern kind of introduction uh, from Waters uh, for help in studying. But those are your main BCO uh, resources today. There's a few others you can get through the PCA bookstore, uh, but many of them are also dated. There's a guy named McNair who wrote something, but hasn't been updated since 1995. So this is one of the reasons we're doing this is a lot of the resources that are out there to study um, are becoming more and more historical and out of date. And uh, maybe there's some appetite to have something that's more up to date. One last question we have written down. What's the best way for our folks to listen and participate? I'll just say, uh, listen, you know, we're we'll, uh, we're, we're going to publish this introductory episode on August 15th. And then our first episodes in Bring Your Own BCO will begin on the first Tuesday in September. And Lord willing, we'll go week by week at that point uh, as we work our way through the beginning of the book. Uh, you can... Contact us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. That might be a little, a uh, little more archaic. If that's your, if that's your way, that's just fine. Though you can also email us at polymattersfeedback at gmail.com. So if you've got questions, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a way for us to work in these types of things from time to time, either before or after um, episodes. So, so if you're questions. Gen X, you go onto Twitter. If you <laughs> are, uh, or no, sorry, uh, Gen X, you go onto Facebook. If you are millennial, you can do Twitter. And if you're a boomer, you can email us. We are an equal opportunist podcast. Uh, everybody is welcome. Um, do y'all have any closing thoughts? Anything you want to leave our dear listeners with? Well, that's what we have for you. It's been great to have y'all. We hope you'll come back. This is like my sermon on Sunday that I did not write a conclusion. And I was like, I, you know, you could see you're coming in for the landing and you're like, I hope there's runway there. <laughs> <laughs>